Hello and welcome once again to Dave and Marlo, your favorite Blazers Edge podcast. Well, maybe not your favorite. We have at least three of them, but it's a pretty good one, I think. Uh, I'm Dave Deckard and I'm here with Marlo Ferguson Jr. Uh, it is, as we speak, Thursday afternoon. The Blazers are four and one. No longer perfect, Marlo. What will we do with a blemish on the record now? Oh man, eighty-two and zero goal is over. What can we say? <laughs> yeah, it's going to have to be eighty-one and one now. How sad! But before we get to all that, uh, Damian Lillard uh, calf injury, calf strain. Uh, Shams Trania just came across with it's going to be one to two weeks before he's reevaluated. But there's an asterisk on that because he got injured on Wednesday against Miami, and the Blazers have one game. Count it, one game uh, against the Houston Rockets. Uh, of all things, between that Wednesday and the next Wednesday. So if it's just one week, what that amounts to is Dame took a game off. Uh, but if it's two weeks or longer, uh, that sheds a whole new light on things. I mean, what do you make of all this? What was, you, what was your initial reaction when you heard about the injury, and what do you think of it now? I was just looking over the uh, recent news, and he was saying that it was an injury that, you know, if it was the postseason, he had kept playing. So reading that, you know, you feel a little bit better about it, a little bit more optimistic. Um, and just, just looking at the specifics of it, you know, he was saying that, uh, the injury, he kind of felt it before the game started. Um, and basically it, it came back on defense. And he started to feel it and he just wanted to play it safe. So I'm not too concerned about it. If he's not concerned about it, you know, usually athletes have a tendency to kind of underplay, kind of downplay injuries, but, um, he's a guy that, you know, he, he's proven he's going to be out there and he's, it's good to be four and one with this than instead of being, you know, one and four and having to, having to deal with life without him and, and, and having a losing record. So, you know, you'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it, we're going to have to wait and see, obviously. That's the only thing that'll happen, uh, because nothing we say is going to change anything. But, you know, you do get the asterisks. Dame is 32, not 26. Uh, he's come off of a near-season-long abdominal injury. Uh, he's obviously playing out of his mind. Uh, he's, you know, I, I was checking over his stats today, and what you don't realize, it's not just the 31 points a game. I mean, obviously, that's splashy. He's shooting 50% from the floor and almost 40% from the three-point arc. I mean, shut up. I mean, that's there's, it does not get better than that for any NBA player. He's, he's scoring like a point guard and has the efficiency of a center. I mean, so, like, you watch him soar in these first five games, and then you go, oh, gosh, how long can it last? Yeah, definitely. And, and everything that you hear is saying that he, he was surging in the uh, MVP race, MVP odds, things like that. So he was really playing like, you know, one of the best players in the league. Um, and if you take away the Sacramento game, it's, it's even better. So it's, it's been a really remarkable start for him. I think he's had some, some, some decent defensive uh, possessions too. So he's been a little bit all around. I think if you want to evaluate him like that. Yeah. So let's just take a, a dip into speculation land. Let's pretend that it's more than one game. What do the Blazers do without him? I think it's, it's Anthony Simons time. We're going to learn a lot about Anthony Simons. Uh, and I think this Blazers team is, is, is better positioned to kind of deal with that. Uh, just because of the fact that they play much better defensively now. So, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to defend, get stops, uh, get out in transition. You know, obviously you're not going to replace Damian Lillard. We've seen that last year, but they've got some guys that can step in and, and, and make shots and at least be competitive. You know, that's what you want to see. You want to see this team be competitive, uh, without Lillard and just continue to, put out a good product on the floor until he gets back. And they got a good chance to do that against Houston too. So 
Right. I mean, we'll get to Houston in a second, young and quick and everything. But do you slide uh, Josh Hart then to shooting guard and maybe put Nas Little in at small forward? Or what, what does that look like then? I think that's a good idea, putting Nas Little in there because he's looked, he's looked really good in the, in the time that he's played. The three-point shot looks nice. The uh, Just everything he's doing, the pull-ups look nice, getting off the dribble. They've got some options that they can run with. And uh, hopefully we're able to get uh, Justice Winslow back. Uh, just different guys like that you can mix in and out and just continue to just just be versatile with it. Yeah, I mean, point guard is the glaring uh, hole here now because you still don't have Gary Payton in. Yeah. Uh, and and I, it's almost got to be Ant, right? Because I, I don't see a lot of other options there. Uh, fortunately, you know, I think you can platoon Hart and Shaden Sharp and Keon Johnson at, you know, shooting guard. I, I don't think they're going to be hurting there at all. But I think, you know, Hart gets a chance to shine a little bit and Nasir Little gets rewarded. That's that's my thought. I mean, Winslow is another good candidate. Now, I, I noticed earlier we're drifting now, but it's okay. Uh, or, or As he has gone along, Justice Winslow has started to do more and more stuff on the floor. Have you noticed that for the Blazers? He's almost he. The other day he was initiating the offense. Uh, he was making passes. He was finishing plays and he was rebounding and he was defending. It's like who who is this masked man? You can tell they definitely missed him in that game, and it's just so many different guys you can bring in and out of this lineup. Um, and just on the topic of the point guards with Anthony Simons, he's had some pretty good stretches without Lillard this season. Uh, if you look at the lineups, the Blazers, their best lineups have been the lineups with you know Lillard, uh, Josh Hart, you know uh, Jeremy Grant, guys like that. But he's, he's shown that he can make the right reads, make the right choices. Um, even with the you know sometimes his shot selection is a little spotty, but. I think we're going to learn a lot about him over the next week or so, just seeing how he reacts to, to being the, the top dog on a 4-1 and team. It's easy to do what he did last year. Well, it's not easy, but it's one thing to do it when you're on a team where you're, you're tanking, you're not really trying to win, but now he's going to have to see, we're going to learn a lot about him this week. Well, it's interesting because the guy who is supposed to be up doing that is Yusuf Nurkic, right? Because I think Chauncey yeah. Billups likes to start up top with a big, right? He likes to initiate the offense with the big guy uh, and then let the guards play off him. But Nurk, the best he's been able to manage really is a handoff and, you know, maybe a roll. His passing to the interior has been non-existent. His outside shooting is even worse than non-existent. Justice Winslow goes out there and he's making some passes. I mean, at least his passes are getting there, which is more than you can say for Nurkic. So it, it feels like Winslow is not only encroaching on small forward minutes, but a little bit of like the center role. Yeah, those small ball lines have been pretty interesting as of late. Um, and with Nurkic, it's been kind of a weird fit for him this year. Uh, I thought like at the beginning of the year, he, he kind of rushed things a little bit. It's a little bit out of sync, kind of cooled down a little bit. And, uh, was it the, the Suns game, especially in that fourth quarter? He was fantastic, but, uh, it's just for some reason he doesn't really seem to have as, as good of a fit with this group here that likes to run and gun a little bit more. Um, and, and it'd be interesting to see how that works out too, because it's just, it doesn't feel as normal as it once did with him. So it's yeah, something to watch. I mean, as we said before, I think Nurkic and Lillard are the odd ducks in this new system because they are definitely half court set it up players. They are, uh, you know, the pick and roll, the screen for me, and I'm going to shoot a three guys. And you got a bunch of greyhounds out here now who want to create a transition offense from their defense and turnovers. That's not Nurk. That's not Dame. But Dame, all he has to do is trail, right? If Dame trails to play, he can get a three. Okay. So he's, he's fine. And he's Dame. Nurkic is just, He's in a weird spot. He he just doesn't quite mesh. The one thing I will say that he has done fairly well is he has certainly contributed to the Blazers' rebound. 
And I see this as one of the keys to their success early, that they have the potential to be out-rebounded on any given night, given their size, and the fact that going into the season, Nurkic was literally their only rebounder, right? But you have Nurkic stepping up, and he's the anchor there. But Josh Hart has been fantastic. Jeremy Grant has been not bad. The guards have been really good. They've actually stayed even, at least, with almost every opponent. Uh, especially in offensive rebounding, which is a huge, huge hole that they filled successfully. Now, the one place where it kind of fell apart a little bit, there were other things, but the Heat game, that the Heat actually took them out of their board work. They, the, the Heat controlled the board. I think that that's part of what uh, cost the Blazers the game. That's a good point. And it's, it's, it's really important when you run that zone defense like Chauncey does. Guys have to get back and get rebounds, got to get on the glass. Um, and so Nurkic has definitely been stand, stand out in that area. Um, and it's been, it's been a little bit surprising too, because of the fact that, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't get those paint touches like he used to. Uh, if you look at the numbers, the Blazers are, are around the bottom of the league in paint touches, post ups, uh, things like that. But he's, he's finding ways to kind of stay active. Uh, and that two man game with him and Lillard is, is still a, still a Tico, even to this day. Like, you look at the different game. It was Lillard and, Lillard and Nurkic just running the, the uh, pocket passes, pick and rolls. And uh, Jokic and Murray were coming right back with their same thing. So that's going to be one of those things that it continues to free up Lillard. So he's putting up things that aren't going to show up specifically on the box score. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a guy that you got to watch for because it's just, it's just a weird fit all around for him at, at this point. Yeah, I think as long as he's setting screens and rebounding, he's going to have a place. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Let's talk about that zone defense that you mentioned. So what do you think? I mean, they've had some success with it. Uh not so much against Miami, though. When they lost, they lost with it. But, uh, you know, that certainly uh, they did really well against the Nuggets there, second half adjustments. Uh, what do you think of the zone? I like the versatility that they've kind of run it with. You know, they're starting in different areas, right? You're talking about a 2-2-1, by mixing it up 3-2. They got uh, Jeremy Grant at the top. And I made a thread where I was talking about how it's kind of similar to how the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers use Evan Mobley, where you got a, a big guy right there just, just – marauding the passing lanes there with the guards and it makes it tough for them. So it's, it's, it's definitely good. We've seen it work. Uh, they, Chauncey ran it on the first play against the Heat, uh, big time possession against Phoenix right at the end of that game, a long time throughout that first half against the Lakers. So a lot of different areas and times they run it. You can tell he's trusted. And, um, basically I, I've looked into the numbers and then per second spectrum, they ran it at the number one highest rate in the league last year. And they seem like they're on pace to break that this year. So it's a lot of different, different, a lot of different looks. And Chauncey seems to really, really like that zone defense. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that a little bit. And actually, I like it. And here's why I like it. I think I, I mentioned this in the recap somewhere. That, uh, look, the Blazers are supposed to be able to cover ground, theoretically. But practically, they don't, especially when they sag into the lane. But what the zone does is shorten the track, right? So now I, I just have to cover within a eight-foot radius of me, which all of them can do real well, even Nurkic, right? as opposed to having to run halfway across the court where they're late. Uh, so I think you you shorten the territory that they have to defend. And also, I think you make help a little bit easier then, and also your recovery. And in that sense, less running and uh, more clarity has added up to, I think, more success. Now, my problem with zones has always been, no matter how you mix them up, the league eventually solves it. That what works in October and November doesn't work in April. 
right? So it'll be interesting to see if they have enough permutations where they can keep doing this all year. If not, I think, for instance, I, one place I see it's really not going to work. I mean, it, it killed Denver, right? I think that happens once. And I think Denver looks in, at that tape and goes, you know what? We've got the reigning league MVP, who is also a one-man zone buster if we use him right. And you go ahead, throw that again. Yeah, I mean, if they see that again, they're going to be much more equipped to deal with it, especially with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and those guys. Um, but with Miami, you, you kind of – that would have been a strategy I would have went with Miami because, you know, they, they talk about you know how, how poorly they play in, in the half court, um, especially in the playoffs last year. Um, and this year it was just a matter of, you know, Tyler Hero getting hot, Max Strews getting hot, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Vincent getting hot, and the, the, the Heat just finding ways to score that, that mid post with Jimmy Butler. So, um, I like the strategy there against a team like that that doesn't really, you know, shoot the ball that well from three. They came into the game, I think, shooting like 33%, 34%. So you kind of live with the results there. But the, the toughest part about that game to me was just the fact that, you know, they kind of gave the, the Blazers a test of their own medicine when they were running the zone two and, Portland just couldn't couldn't find a way to overcome it, so it's it's, it's tough to see it kind of go go down like that. Yeah, and this is really weird to say, but I think the Blazers lost that game on offense. Yeah, you know they first of all the turnovers, obviously, but second, I think that's not necessarily an accident that the Blazers, if you they're still fragile, right? And so if you've got an adept defensive team that can throw different looks at them, they are going to get disrupted pretty easily at this stage. Hopefully, that will improve. But it doesn't matter what defense you throw if the team is or the opponent is running it the other way and dunking. I mean, there's no deep. You don't even get to a zone at that point. You just take the ball out of the bucket. So uh, I think Miami, that was not an accident. And how weird is it to be able to say, well, you know, Portland needs a little more continuity on offense. Yeah, they definitely weren't expecting that. But the, the first quarter, like they, they looked really good. 31 points in the first quarter. And I thought the second quarter, the shots they were getting were, were, they were those shots that had went in those first four games. You know, Damian Lillard was, was, he had a couple of shots that came up just short. Uh, I like the way Shaden Sharp looked in that, that, uh, first half really had a lot of energy and he kind of took over that game in, in his own way. So a lot of positives to kind of take away. And it feels kind of weird to say that in a, a 21 point loss. Um, and, and the fact that they ended up outscoring Miami in, in points, uh, off, off turnovers despite losing by 21 is just kind of odd. So. I think that the Blazers are better than they played in that game. I think they're still going to be able to compete against the top teams, but they were due for a hiccup. So the fact that it came there is is not the end of the world, I don't think. Well, and rehearsing what we just brought up, this is what Damian Lillard is valuable for. He's, if nothing else, he's the backstop. And really, he's been bookending it, right? So at first, he was laying back the first couple games of the season. But really, what he's done now is I'm going to come out strong. I'm going to put my imprint on this game. And then you guys get to play. And if it works out and you build up enough of the lead, fine. But if you're faltering, if, you know, Jeremy Grant isn't getting enough touches or, or you know, someone else's shot isn't going in, then I, I get it. I'm your backstop. I'm your fail safe. And I'm going to make sure we pull this through. Now, I think they probably still have people who can assert themselves at the beginning of games. I mean, Simons is the prime candidate. But that backstop, if Lillard is out, I'm not sure they have that. If things start fumbling... They're just going to keep rolling around on the ground because Dame isn't there to go, I've got this a thousand times over. Yeah, it's going to be tough to deal with, definitely. And you look at Simons, he's had a, some great moments this year already, but he's still shooting 41%. So it's not like he's, he's lighting the world on fire at this point in time. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how his shot selection looks now as the lead dog, at least temporarily. And I think that 
this is the number one like best matchup to kind of get the Houston Rockets. And so we'll get we'll get a chance to see how he does with that. And uh definitely de- better this than Miami now without Lillard. So I think I think Ant might come out of the shell actually. I mean, because I think you're right. Other than see that 22 point outburst in the third quarter cured everything, right? Now everybody's going, oh, Anthony Simons, Anthony Simons. Okay, take that away, and what's the rest of his season look like so far? It, it is not fantastic. Now I think he's gotten more comfortable. I like. I think his catch and shoot game has come back a little bit, and I think he's taking. He, he's playing with more economy on offense. Okay. And I like that. You know, you can tell when Ant's going wrong is that it's like six dribbles into a fadeaway. Okay. Uh, and, and he's cut some of that out. And I, I like that. But I, I, I expect this might be a chance for him to really say, okay, I'm going to rediscover myself for a game or two. Yeah, definitely. And I remember listening to a, uh, like they were talking about it on the Roo Sports with, uh, Kevin Calabro and Lamar Hurt. They were saying he was like six for 25 before that. So that, that second quarter definitely helped his stats, definitely boosted his stats a little bit. Uh, but you look at the Blazers, they still got some things going for themselves. You know, they're uh, number two in points per possession in isolation, uh, number six in, in the pick and roll. So definitely some things they can go through to kind of offset, you know, they were getting from Dame Lillard. I think it's going to be a lot more of that, a lot more of the two-man game with him and, and, and Nurkic just got to step up. So um, just that, a lot of guys had to step up. I think that's the biggest thing here is just how you deal with that part of it. Yeah, that's another weird thing, right? Because you think, well, this is a semi-seamless lineup where a lot of guys could score 20, and you don't have a ton of egos, at least evidencing themselves right now. So you'd think that would equate to, these guys really share the ball, like Clyde Drexler teams did or Bill Walton teams did. Kind of not. They're actually scoring a, a fair amount in isolation. Uh, you don't see a lot of huge setups or real, you know, steady diet of, oh, this is cyst. You can see Jeremy Grant cutting the baseline and you know the pass is coming. It's more like, okay, we drew the defense over to this side and the guy on the weak side has got moves. So swing him the ball and watch him go. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you think that that's sustainable? Uh, I'm not sure. I think their, their, their best way to kind of deal with that, I think, is going to be getting to the free throw line. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's been their bread and butter this year. Uh, no team has taken more free throws than them, or has made more free throws than them, and only Dallas has taken more free throws than them. So, But a large part of that was Lillard. You know, Lillard was getting to the line, you know, four or five times a night, and it was uh, just an ultimate cheat code for them, especially down the stretch. So seeing how they managed to deal with that, you know, their, their half-court offense, they've had some great sets, but they, they haven't. They're still not a great half-court team, I don't think. I think they're a better team when they get stops, getting transition and, and try to go in that way. And I think that's evidence in their assists. They don't really get a lot of assists this year. So uh getting to the free throw line, staying aggressive, I think is going to be their best way to kind of deal with that. Uh, but it remains to be seen how it's going to work out, though. That's an absolutely brilliant point. Uh, and points out a little bit of the disparity. Well, first of all, let's take the first point. As much as Blazer fans like to complain about the refs, this year they've got nothing to complain about. I mean, yes. guys are getting sneezed on uh, and getting foul shots. Now, part of that is their commitment to take it inside. They're not primarily a three-point shooting team anymore. They don't have that reputation. That certainly helps. And I expect that that will continue throughout the season. But some of these kind of favorable beginning of the season calls, I don't know that that's going to last. And especially if there continues to be a disparity between points in the paint and free throws taken. Although, to be fair, those do kind of link up because if you're fouled on a shot, you don't necessarily get the conversion so what would have been points on the paint becomes a free throw i get that but you still probably that gap makes me itchy 
The other thing that makes me itchy is Yusuf Nurkic's lack of inside scoring power. So you're going to not have the ball in the middle for the long stretches of time you usually need in order to keep drawing those shot or foul shots. So I'm interested to see whether the whistles level out, and if so, whether the Blazers are able to succeed. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, with Nurkic, I think most Blazers fans would kind of say this. He misses a lot of easy shots around the rim that he probably should make. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this ability to be able to get to the line, uh, get in that paint, I think it's going to be crucial for this team. My my thing is, I'm thinking about, I'm not sure how much longer the Blazers can kind of live on this, this strategy that they've had. If you look at the games they played this year, uh, a lot of situations where they've gotten the big in foul trouble, right? You're talking about DeAndre Aiden, uh, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis. Every game they, they've managed to get him one foul away from, from a substitution and then they've hunted them down and kind of taken advantage of that. So it's a good trend, but I'm not sure how sustainable that is over a, a full season. Uh, but it's worked out really well for them to this point. And that, that Jokic foul was, was, was huge. I think it was a game changer. Uh, in the fourth quarter, AD had five fouls and they were able to kind of hunt him down a little bit and, take advantage of his, his uh, lack of aggressiveness there. So just a great, a great, it's great to see. I'm not sure how sustainable that is though. Yeah. I mean, it's a great strategy for Portland that is, you know, a little bit weak at the center position right now. And uh, Nurkic, I actually like it when he goes quick. You know what I hate when he gets What's the ball and it's like eight seconds into <laughs> his move in the key. First of all, I don't see it doesn't get three in the key, but second of all, like you're watching the dribble and then the second dribble is supposed to go somewhere, like power dribble or spinner. No, that dribble is actually farther away from his body than the first one. And the third one's going farther out. You're going, oh, my gosh, here comes the guard. Because everybody can see, like, oh, this is a turnover waiting to happen. And even if he retains it, like, you've lost a third of the shot clock. Ah, it drives me crazy. Yeah, Nurkic just is, he's such a fun player to watch, but not always for the right reasons. Like, it, I, I, I tell you what I enjoy. I love watching him kind of bully guys and putting them on the ground, like, Two different situations with Jokic where he put him on the ground in the last you know, in the fourth quarter, uh, but I don't know he he, he needs to get in the, in the gym with Lamarcus Aldridge or something and get a, a post fade or something like that because you know the post ups you know you got guys digging in the post trying to force turnovers and it's just it slows the pace down too so uh, he's a fun guy to watch but it's been kind of rough to watch you know sometimes. Yeah, I mean, how long, oh lord? I mean, it's it's like okay, this guy is is a veteran now and. Yeah. We've known that this has been an issue. And by the way, I think he's skilled. You know, what Nurk does well, he does really well. And it seems like when he's keyed in, he's great. Why has he not developed that shot over the last three years? I'm not sure. I, I guess it's just, in his case, maybe it's just easier to just bowl over guys. You know, you could put together a 20-minute compilation of him just knocking guys over on the way to a layup. So uh, that part of his game isn't lost. I think he he does does some, he does do some some really good things for this team, you know. Like I said, in the screens and the pocket passes, and, and just the, the way he's able to pass the ball sometimes is, is he's a he's a top ten center when he's you know fully there, uh, fully bought in. I would say, but uh, just just a weird season so far for him. I think. Is there a reason why he couldn't pick and pop like Aldridge used to do? You know, I mean, Aldridge started on the a baseline. I mean, it was kind of like a straightaway from the side shot. That's okay. I don't really see Nurk there. I don't see that as that helpful. But then when Lamarcus moved to the elbow, he was he was deadly. Oh my gosh, you remember that? Just a just two man game with Lillard, and nobody was stopping it because no one could block Aldridge's shot. And even if if they send an extra man, it was one pass away from Paydirt. I don't see for the life of me why uh, 
Nurkic couldn't hit a shot from the the, the elbow. It really doesn't make sense. And, and I, I thought this would be the year that he kind of did it because all off season long, we, we've been hearing about him overseas developing a three point shot. Uh, the numbers look good. And if I don't, if I recall, the three point shot is further away overseas than it is here. So, uh, all of that kind of played into a, a nice storyline to kind of watch, but it hasn't really worked out that way yet. Um, but we got 77 more games left. Who knows how it's going to work out? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> May learn something. <laughs> you mentioned Anthony Davis, man. What do you yeah. think at the end of that Lakers game? I mean, what what were your impressions of? Uh, it's like the Lakers collapsed. Yeah, I, the big thing, I, like I said, was just the fact that they were able to kind of uh, focus in on him with five fouls, and they were just attacking the rim, attacking him, and knowing he wasn't going to pick up that fifth foul. Um, and the Lakers kind of unraveled. You know, what I'm saying it was that was they were up uh, with a couple of possessions, with a few possessions to go, and could have won that game, but uh, just kind of slipped away. And I. I Damian Lillard was Damian Lillard. And that's the biggest thing. Well, yeah, and AD wasn't AD. I mean, he was for a minute. Like, he had two or three dunks in a row. I mean, I think it was two dunks and another conversion. But he was he was coming out of his shell and just Blazers had no answer. I mean, forget what he does on defense. He was destroying them. And all of a sudden, nah, it's LeBron and LeBron in ISO, right? I mean, and that's the thing. is like, I get that he's LeBron James, but... You got Anthony Davis just sitting there destroying everybody. Seems you could run some two-man something. And then, of course, you have Russell Westbrook, who everybody is pointing at. But that's kind of like the beard, you know. That's like, okay, that's the obvious target, like floating a big balloon and saying, hit this one. LeBron actually, I thought, did not play well at all at the end of that game. Yeah, their late-game execution is, is really the execution anywhere. They're 0-6, so they haven't been good anywhere. But uh, just a lot of problems with that team. I thought I thought they should have definitely went to Davis. He had the hot hand, uh, and I, I left that game being just extremely impressed at what he did defensively. I think he had six blocks. Uh, I forget the numbers, but the Blazers were shooting like forty percent in the paint, and I, if you know anything about it, that's forty percent. That's terrible. So uh, it's just he impacts the game in so many different ways when he's healthy. Uh, but I think that that fifth foul was was kind of in his head a little bit because he couldn't do too much of anything, couldn't be aggressive, and it just went the Blazers' way toward the end of that night. Yep. The only one we haven't talked about is the Suns game, and mostly what what struck me about that one, I think, was the poise. I mean, the Suns are a veteran team. They've been to the conference finals. They've been to the NBA finals. Uh, and really, you couldn't tell the difference between the squads in the way they were playing down the stretch. That is impressive for Portland. Yeah, people forget that's a 64-win team last year. Like The fact that they were able to compete with them is is, is absolutely remarkable. And I left that game. Uh, there was I was rewatching that game earlier today, and I, it was crazy to see Devin Booker on that last play in the fourth quarter tried to do a, a step back, like the side step three pointer from the same spot Lillard shot from. And I'm like, I, I can't believe he he had the audacity to try that. Um, but just in general, uh, the Blazers, I thought they they their zone defense was sharp. Uh, they, they hit shots when they needed to, and uh, they looked like a, a team that was really ready to make that next step and something to build off of. Yep. So yeah, I mean. Overall, I think you have to say, obviously, it was a hugely successful week. I mean, last time we talked, the Blazers were 1-0 versus Sacramento, which, I mean, good win, but it was really a close win despite it being seven points. They were, uh, you know, deadlocked in the final minute, basically. Uh, so it turned from a good win to an astonishing week. Uh, just general question. I mean, how do you feel about this team right now at 4-1? and I mean, what if, if you were to describe this team what what would you say? Feeling good, feeling good. I mean, if, if you, you could ask a thousand Blazers fans, you know, even the more even the most bullish ones, 
Um, if you would ask them what their first loss would have been, I doubt they would have said, you know, the Blazers start 4-0 for the first time since 99, and they end up uh, losing it to the Miami Heat. So the fact that they're 4-1 right now, with the schedule they had, they had the second toughest schedule over their first 20 games. So getting off on a high start like this is 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 vital. It's very crucial. Um, and most people paid them as a, as a play-in team. So getting these wins early, I think it's going to be very key for them. Um, and just the fact that they've done it, and, and like Lillard said, the ways they've done it has been sustainable too. Over those first three games, they had, you know, three different guys hit, or two different guys hit game-winning shots, and neither one of them was Damian Lillard. So just a lot of different guys that are, are making plays. And uh, I think that the effort level is, is going to be there every night. You have effort, you give yourself a chance to win games, and you can at least hang in there. So feeling good about this team, um, not bought in on the idea that they're a, a full-on championship team yet, but the fact that we're able to even talk about this in October is, is, is you know, we're very fortunate to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think the latter part, the, the effort and energy and style of play part is the most uh, eye-opening for me. I mean, because first of all, there was none of this in preseason. No. <laughs> but second of all, like, look, the win total is almost incidental. Uh, it, it, you just, you go a couple of things go the other way and they have two more losses. But for me, that still wouldn't invalidate what they've done. They're starting to get a more defined, a sustained style of play, energetic, in which most of their players seem to be able to prosper. I mean, look at, run down the roster. Who's, who's doing well? Lillard, definitely. Shaden Sharp, definitely. Anthony Simons, not as much, but like I said, it's covered by that shiny quarter and you feel like he's coming up. Josh Hart, fantastic. Jeremy Grant, doing good. Justice Winslow, yes. Nasir Little, yes. Yusuf Nurkic, eh. So you got, you know, Nurkic, not so much, and Anthony Simons with a big asterisk. Everybody else is playing either at or above their heads. That yeah. wasn't guaranteed with this lineup. So uh, you've got to like that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that they will continue to win 80% of their games. But, you know, you do a little bit of gelling and, and stay with your head above water, and who knows what can happen when the schedule gets easier. Now, here's the other thing that I forgot personally, and I should have known this. You know, we were all talking about, and my excuse is, it's been a minute since it mattered, okay? But we're all talking about, like, the first 20 games are brutal, and they are. But you know when you want to have a brutal stretch, probably? It's the first 20 games. Because the beginning of the season for all teams is kind of random. I mean, you're going to get a lot of variance before it locks in. So this may be sneaky cool, especially for the start they got off to. If the Blazers escape out of their first 20, even at 500, they've got to be going, hey, did, we did all right. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that. And just thinking about how many times in, in Blazers history where we've, we've had a, a slow start, you know, you come into the season and you're 7 and 13, 8 and 12, and that Terry Stotts tenure or whatever it was, like this team started off slow so many different years. So, you know, start off 4 and 1 here, and I think it's, it's – that's that, you know, injuries are going to be inevitable. They're going to happen. Guys are going to get banged up, especially with the way the Blazers play. So that they're able to kind of get themselves a little bit of cushion with these wins is, is I think, more vital than people think too. So, um, a lot of, a lot of different positives that come with, you know, getting those extra bounces, things going your way, especially this part of the season. Yeah. And I mean, I just the spirit. I mean, have you noticed that? I mean, before we go to our predictions and stuff, uh, have you, you feel it? Like, do you feel it around the, I mean, the media, the national media, but especially around Portland, like there's, there's something here that's been missing for quite a while. 
I feel it. Definitely feel the energy. Um, I was watching the Anthony Simons third quarter again, and you can just see that the crowd's going crazy. Uh, Drew Eubanks, he's the veteran trying to keep guys like Greg Brown from stepping on the floor. Just a lot of excitement. And you think about where we were a year, a year ago, you know, we had to tough out a lot of different recaps, a lot of different podcasts where we were, you know, the Blazers were, were 20 and 40. So just being able to see that and getting some excitement in here. Um, and, and experts and analysts across the league, they're starting to, they're kind of looking into it too, where the Blazers are, are being viewed as a upper echelon kind of playoff team. So, uh, it's, it's, Definitely much quicker than we expected, especially after the preseason. Like just to see it happening this quickly is has been great. It's been great. I'll say that. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal to watch their bench right now. And yeah. again, chemistry was not a guarantee with this team. And I, you know, still, I'm still watching Jeremy Grant a little bit, and I don't think Josh Hart. I mean, you can't question anything Josh Hart does right now. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see this Josh Hart evolution throughout the year. But you look at those two. They are active. They are motivated. They are into it. And I mean, hell yeah. That's, those were the big question marks. How would this play out? And that's great. And everybody underneath them is just jumping up and down, right? And, and the guys who have been there, Lillard, Simons, Nurkic are going like, yep, this is what it's supposed to be about. There's, there's something to that that's, that's pretty nice, as you say, especially after last season. But even if you go back, I mean, 2019, was the last time I think that anybody felt really good about anything. And even 2019, you got to remember, I mean, there was a fair amount of cover, you know, cover up there that uh, they got swept by the Warriors. And that was, I know everybody was excited and the team was playing it up for the publicity, but, you know, there was a fair amount of flukiness to that conference finals run that it turned out later they couldn't repeat it. So. Like, even that had some kind of weird flavoring to it. Uh, you have to go back to 2014 before you had unadulterated celebration in yeah. Portland. It's been eight years. I get it. A four-in-one start is not anything to get that happy about, and we may find that out. But at least for a moment, it looked like it had a possibility of being back. I agree. I remember being kind of excited about this and it kind of feels similar to, um, 2015, that year when, when Wesley Matthews hurt his Achilles. Like they were, yeah. I, I heard a lot of championship talk that year too. Um, so it, it's definitely great to kind of see how that's playing out right now. Absolutely. So neither one of us was quite correct. You were closer. I said two and three, figuring, uh, Phoenix and LA would be difficult and Denver impossible. Uh, as it turned out, uh, they were four and one with Miami being the stickler. So uh, they have two games. So neither one of us owes anybody a beer yet. <laughs> so <laughs> we can both drink one to their to them schooling both of us. Uh, in any case, there are only two games before we talk again. Uh, you got Houston and you've got Memphis and both are at home. How do you feel about those matchups? Oh, uh, I think it's just kind of I'm going to say I'm saying we get a one one split. I'll say we get a one one split in that situation. Uh, Memphis, I think, plays Portland kind of well. It's going to be a little bit different without Jerry Jackson Jr. this time around, but uh, we're going to learn a lot about uh, the Blazers hustling their defensive attention with John Morant. And like we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, Jeremy Grant. They've had him guarding the other team's best defender, I mean, best uh, perimeter player on the other side. So we've seen him guard, you know, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. He's got a nice challenge coming up in John Morant. Uh, but before that, the Rockets, you know, you're, they're one and four. They're going to be desperate to try to get a win, and they they can – Kind of sense that the Blazers are a little bit wounded. So 
that's not going to be an easy game either. But I think Portland has enough to to come out of there with a one and one going to the next week, five and two for sure. They should, right? Uh, the danger with the Rockets is if you get run out of the gym, right? Yeah. Because they're young, athletic, they don't know better. Uh, although they're learning better because, as you said, of that record. But yeah, it's um, it should be doable easily. The Blazers have a little bit of a seam without Lillard. Will they? Will they have more turnovers and allow Houston to run out? That's the danger that I see. Otherwise, that should be doable. Memphis looks like the more scary one, especially if Lillard is not back or not all the way back. But I get this weird feeling that it almost could go the other way. Like, it could be one and one, but with Houston being the loss because they're kind of not paying attention. And then Memphis, yeah. especially if Dame comes back, you, you have Dame versus John Morant, which is huge. And by the way, let me ask you this. Is John Morant better than Dame right now? Like, has that baton passed, or where do they stand? I think the homer pick is Damian Lillard for sure. Uh, but it's, it's so close because John Moran's playing like absolutely fantastic right now. Um, and I, I don't want to get too deep into that, but I guess I'll go. Uh, I'm going to say Damian Lillard for the moment. If I were if I were in a seven game series, I think I would rather have Damian Lillard's uh, just ability to command the floor, take over a game like that. But just slightly though, just slightly because John Moran's coming too, so. If you got to uh, play a playoff series or a game, like you said, you take Dame, I think. Uh, I, I don't think there's much question about that for me. But if you're going to build your franchise around someone, uh, you, you got to take Josh. <laughs> I mean, and part of that's age, obviously. But look, I mean, this guy is something. And you know what I would love to say? See, I would like to like wave a wand over Dame and take him back like four years. And say, okay, you two go play. <laughs> Just all I want to do is watch you guys play. And uh, I would say, if there's a next Dame out there, it's it's Jaw, and he's yeah. he's different. He's not not the same at all. But the combination of Moxie, star power, talent, take over a game, and looking at like this guy is the next thing, the same way Dame once was the next thing. This is this is my guy. Agree with that. That's that's that mid major underdog in them. You know, uh, John Morant's from Murray State. They name name was Weber State. So those guys know they're underdogs. They were counted out, and you can see it in the way they play. So hopefully we can we can get that that little versus Morant matchup. That'd be fantastic early season. Always good. And then you know Desmond Bain's been playing real well too. Oh my gosh. So you got okay. <laughs> so you talk about star backcourts, and there was some kind of weird preseason thing where they named the top ten and Damon Ant were in there. That was dumb. Uh, Lillard and Simons are obviously a premier backcourt, but boy, I mean, there's there's a paper, you know, edgewise between Portland's two and Memphis's two right now, and I'm not sure which you would take. It would depend on the night. I think it's kind of similar to the way we talked about it before. Like if it were, a, if I'm in a regular season game in, in in February and I need a win, I might go. I might go Moran and Bay. But if I'm in a, a seven game series or a game seven must win. I just feel like Damian Lillard has proven so many times, like time and time again, that he kind of rises to the occasion. So I, I trust him in that situation. But, man, it's close. It's definitely close. Yeah, well, and both of them, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, you got Paul and Devin Booker. I mean, they are, they're right there, too. Although Chris Paul's a little old now. But, like, in one, 
I don't know. If you had one playoff game or series, if you would take Chris Paul and Devin Booker over Dame and Simons, it, that's close too. So that's a third one in, in the West. And then, of course, you got Steph and Clay, although Clay might be falling off the, the, the wagon here or chipping over the guardrail. It's close. Everything is close. If I could guarantee full health, I think I might go Chris Paul and, and, and Devin Booker. But every year with Phoenix, you kind of run the risk of, of Chris Paul hurting his hamstrings. Stuff like that. It just it just unravels after that. Uh, but I think the fun thing about all of this is that we haven't really seen Anthony Simons, you know, in peak form yet. A lot of these guys we've seen, like we've seen Devin Booker at MVP level, Chris Paul MVP level. We've seen uh, Stephen Clay in their peaks. So with Simons, it's just he's still so young, still different things he can kind of different nuances he can add to his game. So it's just I think with a little more time, this conversation is going to be even better. In yeah. A years. And how exciting uh, will it be if Memphis and Portland both make the playoffs? At Golden State and Phoenix are there. There's going to be some titanic battles in the West. I mean, we're not even counting Denver, and we're not even counting the Clippers. But this could shape up to be a heck of an April and May. Anyway, the battery's running low on my recorder, so we better wrap this up. Uh, we are glad that you could be with us this week. And Houston and Memphis, we'll talk about next week, along with Damian Lillard coming back and a lot of other stuff. From Marlo Ferguson Jr., I'm Dave Decker. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Dave and Marlowe.